0: 8 to 10 p.m. The viewpoint with Asraf Garda.
1: So really I thought you're going to be in the studio with me I dressed up but of course you're not high. Uh,
2: I know the type that dresses up for radio interviews <laughs> you well, one of
1: them. Well there you are there you are. Of mm-hmm. course in in this world it's all it's all visual radio is very visual nowadays with social media and yes. that's something we're going to talk about. Anyway you're our big hitter for the night so good evening and welcome to the show. Greatly honoured, Ashraf. Thank you so much. Absolutely. So, there's so many things have happened to you. Um, and we could talk forever, but we don't have a lot of time. Let, let's get to what your plans really are, because I want to pick up. And I know you're doing a show, and I will get to that in a second. But but the plan really was for you to 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 study abroad, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, is that still the plan?
2: Well, I was going to go on a fellowship uh, this year, doing an economics journalism fellowship, but uh, life happened, you know, life happened. Uh, My mom uh, was diagnosed with quite a serious thing, a brain tumor, and um, I'm the only daughter. Uh, There's two of us at home. It's my older brother and myself. Uh, He's got a big family. He is uh, an evangelist, so uh, a lot on his plate. And I um, I obviously, as a daughter and very close to my mom, have the responsibility of taking care of her. And there was just no hesitation and no question about it that my family and I can't get on that plane until she's 100% well. So, yes, that was the plan to study. I've shelved it. And I don't think I can say with certainty whether it's on or off. All I'm saying is that I shelved it uh, for now so that I can focus on uh, my mom. We're taking it one step at a time. She's still in ICU as I speak to you. I've just returned from the hospital Um she is um, doing well under the circumstances but still in ICU and that's what has um, delayed the plans.
1: Okay and I mean the the initial plan when you would, I mean the plan was to go abroad so when you decided and maybe rightfully so that you had to certainly look after her, that of course that also put your career on hold right?
2: Yeah, it, you know the career on hold thing was actually a plan last year, if you remember I left 702 after 12 years year, mm, July mm, mm. And even then, I had intended to give myself a year to just see the people that I care about, to visit the places that I care about, to read the books that I wanted to read. So I did, I just plan a mini sabbatical uh, before uh, going on this academic path because my sense was that, you know, I need to hit the ground running. I didn't know what the demands of the course would be. So I thought I want to look back at my life and say I gave myself that period to just love life and enjoy life and just be chilled and my husband Brian was actually joking about it that I got busier after I left uh, 702 (laughs) so the plan the intention to put my career on hold uh, was there but uh, somehow you know this is South Africa you know all about it. Mm -hmm. you're a Mm -hmm. broadcaster and I bet you you don't just do radio there's so much that you do and Uh, Some of it is social justice It's charity It's just mentorship uh, Mentoring uh, young people Just being there When a community uh, Calls for you That doesn't mean That we are saviors Of the world Of course not But I really think That the work that you do Inevitably Gives you Some responsibilities To your community Responsibilities to the moment So I have invariably Been drawn more and more Into the social justice space So I've been busy with that So I've hardly been Sitting at home And just chilling But yes you are correct. I've kind of um, uh, still dabbled in broadcasting. If you remember, I did the big debate last I year. I certainly do. Mm. Yeah, mm. and that's a, that's a big, big show. It requires months of planning. So I haven't really put my career on hold. I've just been doing what you and I do, but on a different medium and more on a freelance basis.
1: Mm. So I will talk about that new show in a moment. And, but you've touched on the, the social aspects of what you do. And yes, I think you're right. Uh, we have these voices that we certainly have. Uh, mm. It also comes with responsibility. And it comes with, and I'm sure you have it, and I certainly do, with, with many emails and tweets from people who, who see us in, in some way or the other as this guiding light. They certainly would see that for you, I'm sure, right? And, and therefore, my question to you is, what, what then do you see your role in South Africa? You, you're this person. You're on air. You're off air, but you have, you have influence, right? What is your role in this country?
2: Well, I believe in uh, building bridges, both on a political uh, side and a personal side. I'll just use a simple example. Uh, We have children. Some of us have partners, spouses. I don't think it's possible to have harmonious relationships unless we get on a bridge and travel to each each other's side and even on a personal level that counts. So I do see broadcasting as creating that important and strong bridge on which we can all travel to different perspectives, to different corners of South Africa, to different ideologies, different beliefs and see life to the best of our ability through each other's eyes and thus foster understanding. So I've always seen my shows as both that bridge where you can sit and go, ah, I didn't know this is what this person or this group of people, I didn't know that this is who was affected by VBS. I'm reading about Floyd Shivambu. I'm reading about mm. Robert Mazzonga, I'm reading about the king, but I didn't know that that retired principal is the one who's adversely affected by that. So the broadcasting platform becomes that bridge on which we can travel to the side of that retire, uh, retired school principal and get to know her life or his uh, perspective. That's the first thing. The second thing I do think that um, the plurality of voices is very, very important. Uh, We see what's happening with the Sunday Times. And I think a lot of people, in analysing and being... Fiercely, uh, 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 you know, uh, against what the Sunday Times did. Rightly so, by the way. But they are forgetting that there was a lot of other media and publications that didn't go with that line. So it's very easy to just use the label, the media. But which Mm, media did mm, that? mm. It was the Sunday Times. So wait, so let me just recap on on the Sunday Times. You're talking about an apology
1: from the the Sunday Times editor and and also returning their prizes and their Mm. awards and everything else. For, for effectively being taken in by, by people's political agendas. I mean, how, how damning is that? Not just for, in this case, the Sunday Times, but but that second point that you've been bringing up where we all talk about it, the media.
2: Mm. You know what, Ashraf? I have reflected on this very, very strongly. In the same way that I believe there are people who shouldn't hold public office, I do believe that there are journalists who should no longer be journalists. Um, what do I mean by that? I mean, you can freelance because you are a good writer and you've got an idea of a good story, a good feature, um, a, a production theme. You can do that. But I don't think that there are journalists who should be in the employ of respected publications and broadcasters precisely because they've been embedded. And I do think that it's important for an individual to fall on his or her sword. That does not mean that people should be condemned for life and should be deprived of the opportunity to work. Even people who have been who are convicted criminals, once they are released, if they find a good employer, they can they, they can be employed. Mm, but mm, precisely mm. because of the power of the media, the power of the message, the ability of the media to start or end wars. Look at the Rwanda genocide, started by broadcast messages call, message calling mm. people cockroaches and so on. Propaganda is so toxic and so fatal and so lethal. So all I'm saying is that we ought to reflect as members of this industry on the power that we hold to influence, to guide, to persuade public opinion. And when we found on the wrong side of the ethical line, I think the best thing to do is to just back off for just a little while. And publications and radio stations and TV stations should not be hiring journalists who are using journalism as a veneer, but they are inadvertently doing public relations for one or other side. So wh- that what, is detrimental.
1: What, what then is an Im- better journalist how would you describe what that person does
2: Well, I I first encountered the word embedded or the term embedded journalist during the Iraq war. Of course, yeah. If you remember, there were journalists who were traveling with the U.S. forces or U.S. and and, and British forces and basically reflecting the war from that point of view. Not everybody did that, but a lot of them did. So, this whole um, lie around weapons of mass destruction and uh, giving some moral authority to what was essentially an unjust and illegal war, that's where the journalists where if you're traveling with a particular army just because they've created created the infrastructure to see the war it doesn't mean that you must report what they want you to see, you must ask what is it that I'm not seeing about this, what is it that they stand to benefit from me reporting in a particular way and in that way you extricate yourself from the politics and you become nonpartisan. I believe that it is possible and <clears throat> I will steal the words of Christian Amanpour, a broadcaster mm-hmm. of my res- respect. I
1: think we all do, yeah
2: here, mm-hmm. And she says, I don't promise to be neutral, I'm paraphrasing, but I promise to be truthful. So often when people say, Asha, if you're a talk show host, why are you taking sides? You can take sides. In life, Esedimeni, what other side is there? but the side of the families and the victims in Marigana. which other side is there? When children are deprived of school transport, school nutrition books, textbooks, which other side is there? You can report and look at the facts but you can't take a side and say that children have been failed. That okay, so, so got that. So, so, so all I'm so saying is that when there's an injustice, you have to stand for something. So an embedded, an embedded journalist doesn't look at the right and wrong but they report according to what the person who's got the power wants them to report and that's simply means that you're doing public relations and And you ought to rebut and reject.
1: And in the South African context, just how how big an issue is embedded journalism in our country?
2: I think it's huge. I think it's absolutely huge. I will not even go to the SARS ROAD unit, the so called SARS ROAD unit. I will go even to the big years on HIV and AIDS. There were many who were now starting to write that HIV doesn't cause uh, AIDS and uh, entertaining the dissidents. I will go to climate change. Uh, somebody posted a, 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 a quote, I can't remember who did, but saying that um, when, when somebody tells you that if you're a journalist and you are told that it's, it's, it's raining, your job is not to find. Uh, I'm paraphrasing here yes, of course. the job is not to find a reason why it's not raining is to look outside and see whether or not it is raining and, 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 and in the South African context we've been through this before, the only difference now is that it has had detrimental uh, consequences to our institutions before with the HIV and AIDS, hundreds of thousands of people lost their lives when journalists were trying to ingratiate themselves to, uh, to the powers that be I say to young journalists all the time, stop being fans of the people that you report about from business to politics to um, uh, uh, the community, uh, activism and all Stop being fans of the people you write about. Keep a safe distance between yourself and news makers from across uh, uh, the spectrum. So that's the uh, uh, the other... uh, I, 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 how, how do you and then, then the how do you years, i remember how journalists like myself mm. talk shows like my talk show hosts like myself were ostracized by those who were in the in the Zuma camp people used to meet at Dopio in Rosebank butcher mm. our names we'd bump into colleagues whom we last met smiling and hugging but they would give us such dirty looks because they appointed and anointed themselves as players in the build up to Bulukwani. you do an interview with former president Jacob Zuma and there'll be a gathering of journalists trying to push you aside at, uh, insulting us. We all went through that, but right now, they are returning all sheepish and not acknowledging uh, what they did. That's what embedded journalist, journalism has been in South Africa. It builds up to an elective conference, you take a side, you build it up, and then when it blows up in your faces, you move along, because there's always some employer willing to take you in without interrogating okay, uh, what are. you did.
1: Well, that's the unmistakable voice and opinion of opinion maker, uh, influencer in this case here, Reedy Klabi, who's our big hotel. we can going chat to her until about nine, so the next 30 minutes as well maybe time for three calls or so maximum so if you want to get on do it very very quickly 0891 nine one-104207. tweet me hashtag sfm viewpoint as per always and then tag me ashraf gandha you can certainly tag really clubby as well you'll pick up on my timeline too as well as sfm radio so so the last thing then on the issue of embedded journalists really is uh what should the media industry fraternity what should we all be doing next in the light of of what has just happened
2: i think this is precisely the minute the moment to show our face to show our hands it is not right for media organizations whether it's sanF and i don't know if they've issued a statement maybe they have but if they have it's under pressure from the public i think it is important to come up and say not in our name because this industry is sacred and generally they are very no, sacred not in the context of untouchable no but in the context that i described about having the power to influence uh, the course of our um, uh, you know of our democracy and our progress as our nation as a nation our media relations our race relations our gender relations so that's what i mean by by by, by sacred i do believe that in the same way that we amplify our voices when politicians try to muzzle us in the same way that we throw support at each other when one of us gets arrested, tortured, killed, whatever, in any part of the world. Mm-hmm. I do think when some within our fraternity act, in a way that violates the public trust, then we ought to show our faith and not be shamed into um, into doing so. And I do think that organizations who harbor uh, journalists who, who are not really journalists actually, but they they, 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 they you know they, they, they play the political game, I do think that they should be called out. I think a statement is enough. I'm not one to demand the, radio, the media because the consequences for that are that It may give you gratification as a member of the public or a and to say regulate them, find them. If that were the case during apartheid days, then we wouldn't have some free, independent media giving us as much of the apartheid horror story as we, we possibly, uh, as they possibly could. So I do need, I do think that industry, uh, peer group uh, kind of um, uh, scrutiny is absolutely uh, important. I'm not one for regulation of the media because the consequences of that are very bad. For All right, So, so that's
1: the downside. There's also the frightening side. And I'll just touch on this for the moment. Then we'll get to call and I'll talk about your new show, right? Which is the, um, amongst many others, in particular the, the Saudi Arabian uh, journalist, uh, well, well, activist in, in many ways, and dissident uh, Jamal Khashoggi, who's, who's been missing, and there's a whole lot of things in terms of where he is or isn't, we're not sure, okay? Uh, but but we do know, just for those that don't know, he went into an embassy in Turkey, a Saudi embassy, mm. to get a visa or something for for his upcoming wedding, and of course he's not been found, right? Uh, this massive speculation that he's been, He's been wiped off, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, w- what does that say about the power of of people who then speak truth to power? Just, just how big a threat are they to organisations or countries that doesn't agree with with the the things that you shine a light on?
2: Mm. Well, we have global organisations whose sole mandate and um, existence is about the right of a free press. They everyday post on social media. They are all over the media globally um, and they are out there for the protection of journalists. And I think that if... Uh, journalists were not a fawn on the side of power. And by power, by the way, uh, I'm not talking about political power. I'm talking about economic power as well, environmental. Environment, there are environmentalists who've been killed. Uh, there are uh, uh, journalists who have exposed economic crimes who've been killed. So I'm talking about power as an all-encompassing uh, 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 force. And I think that if the work that journalists was was doing, um, uh, if the work that journalists were doing was was was, um, was worthless, then they wouldn't have face such a threat to their lives. And many have wrongful arrests, intimidation, uh, phones being tapped and um, uh, being spied on. It's precisely because there are many who benefit from the truth being hidden many benefit from the truth being he- hidden. And that is why journalists should take seriously the work that they do and not abuse it.
1: And and ultimately, the, the role of the media in in, in, in a one-liner, what, what is the ultimate role of the media?
2: To inform, to inform, to challenge, to speak truth to power so that those who don't have access to to political and economic power feel represented. Ashraf, I say this without any fear of contradiction, without any um, uh, uh, you know uh, anxiety or compunction whatsoever. I'm saying that when there is a fight between the voiceless and the ones with power, I'm on the side of the voiceless until they prove me wrong. When there is a fight between um, Uh, powerful uh, forces as in life is the many, the policy makers the politicians and the sick patients. I'm on the side of the sick patients until somebody proves to me that they are being unreasonable. That's where I come along because I have seen the reach of power, the toxicity of power, how easy it is for people who have financial and, or, or rather economic might to throw their weight about and muzzle people. So the kind of journalism that I'm doing, I'm unapologetic about it. Mm, I hope mm. that it is a kind of journalism that is embedded in social justice. Until I'm proven otherwise, I'm on the side of the voiceless who don't have access to the powerful people. Okay. It doesn't mean they're always right. It doesn't mean they're always right. We can be workers and manipulate the truth and lie. We can do that. But I gravitate more towards the one who doesn't have the political, legal, and economic protection uh, that the powerful have.
1: Right. Oh, 891 one, oh, In fact, I'll take four, goals, four calls rather on the go. really be with me. She's our big hitter for the night. So let me tell you, when, we, when you come on, just make one specific point. I'll run through all four of you. Then I'll get ready to respond again. Dr. Phil, first up from Christiana High. Hi.
0: Good evening, Astra Moses.
1: I'm great, indeed. As always, good chatting I'm to you. Good.
0: Yeah, you know, in the previous times or the times that passes in terms of South African history, you know, people have died, and if you can search much more deeper in terms of the reasons why they died because they were standing for the truth, the like of it St- is St- St- bigo. When he stood up and say, "This is." what I stand for. It was like it was against uh, the whole world. But then, what I'm saying is, there are work ethics. Now, if the head itself is not in line with the work ethics, what do you expect of the groom The people that okay. have to report to the supervisor, the director general, well, 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 to a degree, the people that are in power. All right. So the question of honesty, I mean if you need to save the poor people or if you need to save all people mm-hmm. equally, irrespective of their economic power or their political aspirations.
1: Anyone be honest. Okay. Can I can I just pause no, there because no, no, I wanna no, get no, I wanna no, get Dr. No, Phil, your no, major point. Let me get ready to no, respond. Okay. No, that that no, part of honesty. Much. Thank you so much for that, right? Okay, I'm gonna get to to the other callers too. So really, if you could just make a note of that. Sakile from Durban High. Yo.
0: <laughs> Sakile, hello. Can you hear me? Yeah,
1: I can. Go ahead. What's so, your viewpoint?
0: Yeah, I, I, to say too, and I like the way he, she handled the, the, the news with the previous administration, the Jacob Zuma administration, even though sometimes it became too personal. But it's okay, I understand. And I'll be watching her closely with this new administration because um, some of her friends on social media have already taken a stand. You know, they are supporting this new president. And I'll look at, I'll, I'll, I'll watch her like a hawk, you know, because I know that. She can't uh, be biased now. Not now. Okay, got she that. W- no to her. Watching you like
1: a hawk is such an interesting phrase to use, considering where the hawks are right now. Thanks, for I got that one. Uh, Salo, go ahead. Hi. Hi,
0: this is ready.
1: Yeah, you're on the air. Go ahead.
0: Um, um, uh, I was
1: going to say hi, this is Read No. you. Your line's not great, but but make the point yeah.
0: Okay, Ashraf. Um, um, yeah, let's say uh, to umapo. Oh, I can't
1: hear Okay, no. Shala, I'm, I'm I mean, going to let you go. We we are absolutely battling to you. My, my sincere apologies for that. Uh Ramudangani from Pretoria, last call I'll take for now. Go ahead. Hello. What's your viewpoint? Hi,
0: sir. Uh, um Ramud one
1: from, um, oh, from Okay, right. Go ahead.
0: I, 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 I like the way it's written. However, I don't agree with the manner of regulation. And, and when, when she says that regulators will have repercussions, what kind of repercussions? If... Journalism is a profession, like medical doctors. As you said, life is a a demand because we have a a, a professional board that can deal with individually with those particular individuals, Um, the chartered accountants, the lawyers. If it's a profession, we need to have a regulatory body that will go direct after those particular individuals, those uh, 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 journalists say to them, you have violated the code of journalism, which is... One, two, three, four. Therefore, you cannot practice anyway as a journalist. And this is what journalists are, are afraid of. I don't know why. When we should make people accountable to their, to their actions. Okay, well, like well I think
1: me. a lot has been said already, and, and that's going to certainly come through in terms of what happens next. Thanks for that call. Really, respond to those callers?
2: I will report, I respond to the last one because it is the easiest of the lot. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when we talk about regulation, we we talk as if there are no uh, guidelines and regulations already in South Africa. Um, we already have. Uh, the, the 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 press Absolutely. council mm. uh, led by a former judge. We already have the broadcasting complaints uh, directed. We have uh, the press ombudsman, and the shame of a newspaper having to climb down for its pre- from its previous um, uh, position. Uh, whether it is the, the the press council of South Africa that has declared uh, thus, uh, whether it is the um, you know even the courts uh, if you if you sue a journalist for defamation, you demand uh, an apology, whatever it is. there are those guidelines. People argue as if there's absolutely nothing mm, absolutely. that keeps the media in check. There is what we are against is a government sanctioned regulatory uh, uh, body because naturally the relationship between government and the media is supposed to be one with contestation and with disagreement because there is no government in the world that loves the media. And our politicians are very fragile. They're thin-skinned. If you look at what they put through in other parts of the world, if you look at uh, Prime Minister's question time in the UK Parliament, they're very, very protected. Mm. I think a lot Mm. of them would have heart attacks if they were to be interviewed on (laughs) other uh, uh, media. So all I'm saying is that if you want punitive uh, uh, action. That's a different debate altogether. What's there to gain and benefit from that? I think already a journalist being suspended or losing their job or not being hired, that's censor enough. But I think people want to draw blood. And I don't think that uh, that's what we should be going for. There are already checks and balances and ethics. And if you act outside of that, the public shame, the one thing where I will agree with politicians and, and, um, and, and, uh, and, and the public is that an apology must have the same prominence as a false accusation. Yeah, yeah, it's something like, that, like that we saw yesterday comes in the through. Sunday Times. It Absolutely. must have the same prominence. Before, it never was. People would write two lines in apology, which is very, very unfair. Okay, let's let's then
1: talk about. So, let's just recap for, for those of tuning late. Never tuning late anyway, right? The plan was for you to study abroad. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, Charlie's mum, unfortunately, not well, and that has kept you literally and figuratively grounded, which means you're open to doing other things. So, your your latest show, Sunday nights, um, mm-hmm. on. On, on the SABC, what, SABC 3 and Channel 404. Tell, tell me about that and how did, how did that come about?
2: Okay, so it, it was actually quite uh, quick, uh, short space of time between negotiation and, uh, and and agreeing. So I am here in South Africa. I'm doing a lot of freelance. I did the um, big debate. I've appeared on CNN as a commentator. I write from time to time. So I haven't withdrawn or retreated from the public space. And then a lot of broadcasters have kept coming to me with, you're still here, you're still here. Can't you do some work while mm, while you're mm, still here? Mm. And then I did actually tweet about my mother's situation and said, until she's fine, I'm not going anywhere. And then I got approached by the SABC, an organization for which I've worked, by the way. This of course. is where I launched my television uh, career in 2002. I'm giving away my age. But uh, 2002, 2001, I can't remember. But that, that was around that time. And so when the SABC said, listen you are an experienced journalist, we want to do a talk show weekly, uh, the big story of the day, of the week which is uh, a debate, an interview type of platform and that's just work that's right up my alley and uh, we just negotiated and, and we spoke and I do think that this whole idea that we are in the era of the new SABC, I think we ought to be very careful how we approach that because it implies that people who've been at the SABC all these years have not been doing any credible journalism and that's a lie. Uh, despite the politics, uh, the financial abuse, the the abuse of some journalists, and, and we know all about that, that history. But in all the years that I've been aware of the SADC post-democracy, they've always been formidable journalists who've carved their name from speaking truth to power. So we mustn't treat people like myself and your Bongani dingwas mm, and Stephen mm. Curtis, who are coming in to the SADC as launching something that is But new. But, but do you get a sense of that
1: that's what's happening precisely? That there is this thing that as part of this new SABC dawn, it also means new people uh, versus those that operated in a very different hostile environment, well documented, right, on the one hand, and had, have done a good job already and will continue doing good jobs. But is that a perception on the outside that these are the fixers now who are going to fix up things because the others couldn't get it right?
2: I, th- I think. I think. Look, I think that we mustn't be overly sensitive about it. I'm cautioning about it, but it shouldn't uh, be a deal breaker because context in every situation is important. I think what people mean is that in another era, someone like me would not be hired by the SABC. Someone like um, Stephen Curtis perhaps mm. would not be uh, uh, hired by the by the SABC. Dumisani Sosiphi who's a political analyst before you'd get someone from within and whatever, nothing wrong with that but I think that's what people mean but in trying to communicate that don't don't in any way diminish the stature, the credibility the importance of journalists who have kept the FADC going all these years, who have stood up from within, who may not even have stood up but have continued doing quality work because that also counts so to kind of create the impression that from a craft and a credibility journalism point of view the sadc is getting good journalists for the first time that's just absolute nonsense but it is true to say certain people would perhaps never have been hired at a particular time in in the SABC. and i just want to see unfiltered as continuing the tradition of those credible uh, journalists who've continued to produce bold authentic credible and trusted content
1: okay so tell me about unfiltered then so it's two weeks in i've, I've watched both but give me your assessment
2: Well, I love it, firstly. (laughs) I've got a great team. We have great debates. It's people who are experienced, who've been in the business for a very long time, but not only people who just look at the news and the headline and what it says, but asking what is beneath the story. How does it affect the ordinary person? And that's what we mean by unfiltered. Whether we're talking uh, 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 VBS, um, whether we are talking about uh, Westbury, like we did last week, Mm -hmm. we're asking questions, who's speaking for the poor? And as I said, I'm unapologetic about that. That is the brand uh, and that is the identity that I want my work uh, uh, to have. So it's a team of people who believe in that, who believe that look at the election outcomes, electoral outcomes all over the world, Ashtar, from the United States. Nobody saw, very few people saw the Trump presidency. Absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. Look at Paris and uh, 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 Macron and how that turned out. Look at, is it Austria, where an, a young ultra uh, uh, right-wing a uh, uh, young guy, I forget his name, but very, very young, won the elections against popular prediction. So what we're saying is, politicians are not the only arbiters of what should and shouldn't happen in a country. People are looking for their own activism, for alternative types of leadership. And so I want to do the kind of journalism that looks at individuals in society as leaders of their own fate. And it's not a novel idea in South Africa. Look at the UDF. Look at the... Well, that's the classic example, isn't it? People have agency and authority and we ignore it at our own peril by being so obsessed with politicians we can't ignore the politicians of course but let's not dilute the agency of communities
1: well there's so much to talk around about that so what do you think then you know the show as it stands will run as long as you you're in the country right so at the moment open-ended yeah,
2: Yeah. at the moment I'm here. I'm going to be here for the elections. And uh, who knows? You know, Ashraf, this is the age of technology. I can present a program from my bedroom, and it's been done before. I know a broadcaster who moved his family from one part of the world to another and continued to broadcast in South Africa, and nobody knew which part of the world uh, he was in. So all I'm saying is that, for the moment, my full and 100% committed commitment is on unfiltered. I cannot make decisions and plans beyond uh, beyond now. It may reinvent itself as something else, but certainly I'm a South African journalist and I want people to stop this kind of approach to me as though announcing that I'm going overseas to study means I'm no longer a South African. Mm, I maintain a vested not. interest in my country. And by the way, even while studying, I would have continued to produce content and work that has a South African audience in mind. So that can still happen. That can still be done. So I'm a South African. I'm interested in south african issues and that
1: will never end and 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 the and the part around uh the show in so far as it you know is it meant to respond to issues as has certainly happened in the last two weeks or is it a show that may well evolve where, where you spot the trend in advance and then still hold those to account sorry i didn't understand the so, question. so i'm saying in, in in the first two shows it's there are issues that have happened around VBS, around the bank, around what's happened in the predominantly coloured communities of South Africa responded to issues, okay? Is that always how it's going to be and then be unfiltered or would it also be at a certain stage where you would try and, and you as, your, as in your team would would spot something emerging well before it becomes mainstream news and you, you, you literally break the story as it happens?
2: Okay, so... Um from news Hour to Interface to Today in Africa, uh, my time at ENCA at 7.02, I do not think that shows that are cast in stone and are not responsive to the political tone, shows that do not have their, pulse on the, on the, their finger on the pulse of the nation, I don't think those shows survive. Should there be a big story that is coming, let's say... Uh, from VBS to Gandla to uh, apartheid crimes, we know that a major prosecution is about to happen. Nothing stops us from doing it before it happens, anticipating how it will turn out, preparing the nation, and, and, and introducing certain themes that are relevant to that particular issue. So if we say we are unfiltered, we are talking about being unfiltered in as far as being uncensored, no influence, no fear, all of that. Uh, being autonomous. But in as far as the topics that we are going to tackle, it's not necessarily something that has happened. It may be something that has happened already and is reverberating. It may be something that has happened already, but there are new developments. It may be something that is about to happen and will have a profound impact on our society. So there are no rules. It is about South Africa as we see it at that
1: moment. And I'll ask you what, what people are saying about it, but I'll give you a minute to think about that. Really it not be with me? I'll be here until nine o'clock
2: this week on saving our marriage ilsa talks parenting styles with ramon and fiona victor finally has a breakthrough and Melusi and cd talk conflict resolution the very thing that attracted you to your partner is the very thing that can also push them away paul goes deep with the couples to help them identify and appreciate each other's differences watch saving our marriage on sabc3 every wednesday at 7 30 p.m
0: Hashtag sfm Viewpoint.
1: So I'll give you the, really I'll give you the, the cynical response from one, one tweet that I thought was very amusing to say. Ice, this, this show is jinxed, man. Two weeks in a row and both times the guest doesn't pitch up. Or one of the guests that you had planned, okay? Leaving that aside, what's what's been the response to the show so far?
2: You know, I think that uh, Mbazima mashiloa has a sense of humor like you won't believe. He is the king. I call him the king of sarcasm. I don't think he even anticipated how people would react. And people took it absolutely literally. Mm-hmm. Let's have perspective. And perspective, I think, as I travel this journey of life, whether it is my mom's illness, uh, whether it is um, our, our country as it is, perspective is very important. Glass half full, glass half empty. What's the What are the facts here? Last week, we had three guests. Last week. Mm -hmm. And uh, the police commissioner was meant to be one of the three. We just replaced him with someone else. So this week, again, we were always going to have three guests. So if you take the number six, and there are two people, Who didn't make it. I don't know. There are four people who did. That's that's it. But last week was a bit strange for me because the police tweeted about the interview uh, with an hour to go. And I hear from people who've interviewed the police commissioner that it was very out of character for him. I've never met him. I've never interviewed him. But again, Ashraf, I did this on the radio all the time. I always said, give people the benefit of the doubt. Things do come up. That's where I choose to park it. Yesterday was even more bizarre because Advocate Mudawi and I did speak before. We did speak. So the reason he left... I am 100% sure it has nothing to do with unfiltered, has nothing to do with my colleagues at the SABC, had nothing to do with me. I even made contact with him last night and he responded, he talked, he affirmed his respect for us as journalists and for myself as, as a person. I think, this is me speculating, that he saw Robert Mazonga and when Robert publicly announced that he's going to challenge the report, he made a decision or his lawyers advised him that You don't want to be in a space where you are having a debate with somebody that you have investigated. Mm -hmm. But of course, I was live on the air at that time and it was very difficult to give him the assurance that I'm not putting you on the same platform as Mr. Robert. Mr. Robert has spoken his side of the story. My interest in a conversation with you is a broader conversation about the report. So I do think that it would be unwise if I were him as the lead investigator, if I were the public protector, if I were the, the Reserve Bank governor, and I, I would not, or the Human Rights Commission, I wouldn't get onto a television debate before the process is over mm, with mm, one mm, of the people mm. mentioned. That's all that happened. We, didn't, we did not not be hysterical here. But I, I, I it, it wouldn't be the first time. I mean, when I was at 702, there were people who boycotted uh, uh, my show. And I'm not the only journalist. I know would be teacher mm. when she was at FASM, when she was at ENCA. There are people who did not appear on John Robbie's show. There are people who did not appear on John Coleman's show. At the uh, there are people who make decisions about the style mm, of, mm. of journalism and they decide not for me and you've got to live and let live and not get hysterical about
1: it. Well, there you are. Let's then talk about, and we've got four minutes to go, incredibly, right? Your, 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 your embracing of social media. Now, now, before you answer it, okay, we, we all tweet, and I certainly do, and many others do, right? Uh, some of us tweet about our shows, some lifestyle features. I, I have a sense, if, if there's anything, you, you are incredibly robust in your in your in your tweeting and taking up issues and some may say you're crazy many people get into trouble but i'll leave it to you explain h- how you tackle it what what is your role on social media
2: i don't have a strategy you know I should have I, I, I always laugh when people think that a lot of the things that i said and there's a strategy, there's an agenda, there's this. No, I just speak what I believe. I speak what I believe is my truth. And a lot of the stuff that I tweet, whether it is to Malusi Gigaba or any minister, it's well thought out, yes. I've researched it and, and, and I go for it. And I have no pos- no problem chiming uh, down when when, 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 when when I'm wrong. I have no no problem doing that. But the fact of the matter is that there's no strategy. There's an issue that's in the news there's an issue that amuses me. There's an issue that I'm interested in from running to fashion to raising kids. I just tweet about it. I just I just tweet about it. There isn't this huge... Okay, um, now, uh, now you uh, know you
1: know social media creative experts... Creative that goes with you, you know social media experts will say the downside, particularly on Twitter, with its formerly 140 characters, now 280. It's still very difficult to retain and give some sense of context. So sometimes a one-liner can be so misconstrued. So, so when you simply, you know... Uh, to quote or, or, or to paraphrase the book, I write what I like, I, I tweet what I like. How difficult then is, is it to handle the fallout when surely some people support what you're saying and often people disagree with you, as you've just mentioned Gagaba in particular, but not just him, whoever.
2: Well, I make a distinction between something that is exasperating and something that is difficult. It's not difficult. I mean, everyone gets misunderstood from time to time, and you are silly if you're going to be a broadcaster playing at eye level and walk around with thin skin. You are going to be misunderstood. I make the mistake. I don't always follow my own advice. I sometimes over explain myself, especially when the issue is serious, because I don't want there to be wrong perception. But you know what? Ultimately, I breathe and I say, well, I can't control it. It is what it is. There are people who don't like you, and people have a right not to like you. There are people who have Hate you. people have a right not to hate you, but the question you should be asking yourself is Did I tweet a lie? I don't tweet lies, so I sleep at night. So I do try to explain because I don't automatically think someone is a troll. I automatically think someone is engaging me, they misunderstood me, or they disagree with me. I engage them sometimes, we agree, sometimes we don't, and we just move on. But there are people who are determined to misunderstand you, to misunderstand you no matter what. And I think it's just breathe, live, and let live.
1: Okay, just two SMSs amongst the many. We don't have time to read the others, unfortunately. Dr. Ramahoma saying, Evening, I ash- Ashraf really Tlami's his energy and courage inspires me. Best wishes for her mother in ICU, who I know is a nurse and the whole family. And there's another one uh, from MN saying, Ashraf, I would like to applaud your guest for, for loving her mother so much that she put on hold her academic plans. It is so honorable. God bless. So there you are. A nice way to almost end. Now, we've got about a minute and a bit to go. I'm going to leave this with you for the minute, right, which is what's your take on South Africa right now and what needs to be done I attended the Kathrada foundation lecture at the weekend uh, Judith February spoke about what is it need what needs to happen to fix south africa what's what's your one or two lines on that
2: okay we need to stop thinking that we are special that we are this rainbow nation that can get nothing wrong we can get something wrong look at the weakening of our institutions the first thing that needs to happen is that those institutions need to be weakened because when institutions are weakened wrongdoing goes unpunished and people can say so and so has not done any wrong because he hasn't been found guilty well there he hasn't been found guilty because the institutions that are meant to investigate and prosecute are weak so i'm saying that our democracy is under threat unless we strengthen those particular institutions. That is the first start. The second thing is to agree that war is ugly. Apartheid was not pretty. It wasn't a walk in the park, it was ugly. But we managed to extricate ourselves from it, despite our socioeconomic ills. Let's stop wishing for war, because it is not pretty. Look at what, happen- what happens in many parts of the world, where displacement, the sex- sexual violence, the, distru- the destruction, destruction of people's lives. Let's not court war. It's not revolutionary at all. Okay, Ramaphosa in 30 seconds. Oh, man, he needs to just have a... What, what's the expression in the spine? What is it? The, the, what's the Some backbone, you know, perhaps? Uh, no? Yeah, yeah, just just go his spine. I do think that he likes to pander to people and he wants to be liked by everybody. I'd like to see a little bit of toughness from, from him. He's got ministers who've been found to have lied by courts of law. For goodness sake, you don't need an excuse. You don't need to appeal to anybody. The law is on your side. Just show up, please.
1: He needs, to, he needs to be the union man. Really, Tommy. that's where we're going to leave it. Hopefully we'll engage some other time. I'm looking forward to that. And best wishes for, for your mum as well. I think the point is, is there. When, when people are ill, the perspective just absolutely changes and, and you made the right decisions Indeed, for and I believe
2: she's going to be fine. To, take to literally South stay Africa grounded. Absolutely. There you are.
1: And that show, 8.30 Sunday night. Set your alarms. Even now, I certainly do that every single Sunday night. It's 9 o'clock. Time for the news.